Sending out an NOS. 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 Sending out an Hey guys, welcome to NOS, the show where four autistic guys talk at you and sometimes talk at a guest. I am uh, one of your four co-hosts, Michael McCreary, stand-up comedian and a published author. Uh, yeah, who else wants to go next? Uh, Pat? I guess I'm next. I, I think it goes on uh, on a order of sublime to the ridiculous, back to the sublime, back to the ridiculous. So uh, I'm Pat. I'm a stand-up comedian out of London, Ontario. I've done a lot of things over the years. I've started many stuff around the London, London Ontario comedy scene. You'll you'll hear me interspice with the rest of these guys. I, I'm interesting. I don't know as interesting as everybody else, but I'm pretty interesting. You're interesting, man. This was I'm pretty sure this was your idea, or was it Adam's idea? Uh, I, I think me, me and Adam were just like, yeah, this is something we also have to do. Yeah, low effort, high reward, we think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam, want to introduce yourself? Yeah, so hi, I'm Adam Schwartz. Uh, I'm a autistic comedian and uh, former alcoholic. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Recovering no, alcoholic? How do we not know this? Well, but he couldn't even pick one. I think he is actually on both. He was like, I'm a recovering drugholic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why pick one when you can pick them all? And therefore, Adam's no longer <laughs> anonymous. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Uh, Curran, uh, you want to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah. Hi, I'm Curran. Believe it or not, I am also an autistic comedian. Sensing a theme here. Yeah, I... A little bit about me. I am also a support worker. I uh, had uh, an involvement with the Anka World Autism uh, Festival organization, or the Anka organization, which holds uh, annual festivals. I won third place in their performing arts category once as an Mm. autistic performing artist. I'm on the board of Delusional Theater, uh, and we're getting ready to, you know, start kind of a theater thing where we pay adults with disabilities as theater actors. So it's not just autism, but like, you know, we would have performers with like, you know, Down syndrome and uh, various other developmental disorders, but as paid professional a- actors. Hey, Karen, and I, what, what was your performance art about? Well, well uh, my performing art is a stand-up comedy, but like the, the oh, uh, the word I want for performing artist, uh, I'm a performing artist as a stand-up comedian. Ah. So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I am an autistic comedian. Uh, like a performance. As are so, all of us. You're a performing artist who does stand-up comedy, so you're just like a, a pretentious stand-up comedian. Exactly. We got into uh, uh, this because <laughs> I won an award for like third place in the performing arts category and my art category performing art artistry is stand-up comedian but the other people who won are like dancers and 
you know, singers and stuff and whatnot. So, <laughs> so somehow this came down on me being super snobby and pretentious, which I oh, am not because of this. Not because I was of thinking this. like uh, <laughs> like Kern doing mime or something. Was just like, oh, yeah, no, we uh, just thought you would be which, wearing which, like which, a... Which, if you really think about it, may, may uh, be the actual perfect like autistic art form. It's well, just like you're uh, not talking I mean, about... I, uh, but if you do it straight up to... Uh, if you do it straight up to like no autistic audience, nobody's going to understand because it's all nonverbal cues. Well, what is, what is a box if not like personal space? You know. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Interesting. Oh, and, I... and yes, I do think I'm better than everyone, but not because I call <laughs> myself a performing artist. So. <laughs> no, he thinks he's better than everyone because he knows how to play guitar. Uh, exactly. Play guitar, guys. Uh, so do you guys read the, the? Do you guys read the Global <laughs> Mail? I read a really interesting article about how uh, the pandemic is turning everyone autistic. I mean, with Zoom, we're no longer making eye contact. We have no idea about personal space. Everyone's masking. <laughs> of course we're all masking. We're all double-bagging it here. <laughs> or triple-bagging, depending on the number of masks. Like. Yeah, um, uh, just a quick apology to the uh, to the listeners right now. There will be several points of this episode that will just be complete white noise. Uh, later on, Christian will provide you with a roadmap of uh, timestamps to avoid. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're going to be bringing on a guest in just a second who, uh, let me tell you, was quite a get uh, because I had to walk all the way up from my basement to, to the kitchen and ask him, hey, could you be on my show? He's my dad. And if you don't mind, dad, you can unmute yourself. He, here he is. Welcome to the podcast. Woo! Yeah, Dougie boy. How you doing, Doug? Thanks for having me, gentlemen. It's my pleasure. That sounded sarcastic. Was that? Was that? Is it, it just was because, my was that sarcastic? You know, it's because we both have country internet. I'm living. With, my dad are recording, and I are recording from the same room on the same Wi-Fi connection. So we're probably just gonna. Cut That's out. the reason my son headphones right now. Yeah, yeah. So if uh, Mike says something that Doug didn't like, he can reach over and smack him in the back of the head. 100%. He just reads out of frame, and you can see it in my frame. Uh, I'm actually really glad that we're only recording the sound for this, because if people could see what our homes look like. Uh, okay, maybe not that bad. Curran just has a very stark uh, art collection. That, that's because you, you're only seeing my home from my shoulder uh, shoulders up. <laughs> if I'm I just see Lord. I'm doing this for my mom's fabric room because my place is just <laughs> a, a little a little too trying to actually get the good sound from. Yeah, Adam's the only one recording from a fish-eyed lens, so his uh, his <laughs> shot looks like a 90s skateboarding video. <laughs> but, uh, he nailed it. <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, uh, Dad, thanks again for coming on to the show. Uh, I know you really, really didn't want to do this, but you live with me. So I, I guess, <laughs> you, you know, just the fear of missing out, hearing us having too much fun in the room over in the, at the other end of the kitchen table uh, prompted him to come on. Uh, my dad is, is an accomplished athlete. And basically the reason that we are, well, no, no, sorry. Let me just correct myself. My mom is actually the reason we are together as a uh, group of comedians in the first place. Uh, however, after Adam suggested we go with my dad as a guest instead of my mom, she said she wants nothing to do with us. So in the meantime, dad is... Uh... I tend to have that effect in women. <laughs> oh, what, what, is it that, what is it that your mom said to you, Adam, uh, like during the first show? That I have to be uh, extra yeah. polite and on good behavior. Otherwise, Mike and Doug will just go off in their own little way <laughs> and that they don't really need it, you guys. <laughs> that's cold that is cold 
Uh, anyway. Well, at least she lets you use her Zoom account, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> Let me, for those a... of you who don't know, my name on Zoom is just Hilda Schwartz. <laughs> wrong name. Fair enough. Sorry, Dad. Uh, ask yourself a question. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, how did all of this come about? Well, about a year and a half ago, um, uh, over time, Michael and I, in our travels, uh, met Adam back in 2014. And then uh, I think about a year and a half ago, maybe two years, we met Pat uh, at a show in London. And then in between that time, we became aware of Curran. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, we haven't met, but we became aware of Curran because Susan's mom lives in Victoria, BC, and she's friends with either Curran's mom or aunt or something. And uh, mom. yeah. With your mom, there you go. So, I, go ahead, Pat. I also was like, I know Adam and Kern met because they both did. Uh, they both did. The disability was uh, Courtney Gilmore and Big Daddy Taz. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, that's how we became aware of the four individuals on the spectrum doing comedy. And Susan said, "Well, this has got to be comics, not otherwise specified." And she said, and once again, uh, she's had the great idea. She said, Doug, see if you can make this happen. So the first crack at it was with an agency that I won't name, but they, uh, they run uh, a large uh, semi-annual uh, conference. And I thought, this is perfect. This is their fundraiser for comics on the spectrum. It's an autism organization. What, you know, it's, Tailor made, perfect. And they said, mm, yeah, I don't think so. And uh, so it just kind of went on hold for a little while, even after it was pitched uh, to them. In a, the course of a conversation with Dean Svoboda out of uh, Calgary with Autism Asperger's Friendship Society, I was lamenting their lack of enthusiasm for it. He said, you know what? I got some stuff on my plate right now, but let's make this happen. So late in the uh, COVID first year of lockdown and no travel and uh, no live venue events or very, very limited events, we came together and got the group together and talked about doing a show. And Adam said, well, we should get something going right away in January. And January 15th was the world premiere of Comics Not Otherwise Specified, starring our opener, for that night, Pat Tiffin. And next up, the miraculous Adam Schwartz, followed by Curran Dobbs and Michael McGreary. So there you go. So that was the show, and here we are. I actually met Adam on a tour in 2014, and he gave me so much stage fright right before I went on stage. Uh, uh, he just said, hey, man, I saw you online. I liked your video. And I said, oh, thanks, man. It was a really good show. I think they liked it. And Adam said... It didn't sound like they were laughing that much. <laughs> Which video are you talking asshole. about? Are, are, are we talking about one from 2010? Yeah, this is the one. Well, I was like, this is one when I was like a child. So Adam saw this and went, "Man, this kid sucks." Like this. Well, well, you I can't always go by the video because sometimes with uh, videos of stand-up comics on YouTube and they're not professionally recorded, is that they'll record the comic. But they, uh, with like a directional mic, but they won't record the audience. So the audience will be much louder in person than they will on the video. 
a successful gig will sound like you bombed. Uh, oh, yeah, but I, I actually did ask my older brother if he could record the show, and he said, sure, let me record it on the worst camera I own. It was like... <laughs> It, it, like I'm pretty sure it's shot on tape. I don't know how we got it. You off. were remarkably young at, at the time. I mean, you're like the Doogie Howser of Sam Comby. You started when you were like yeah. twelve. Yeah, because I'm also dated and not that good. But like, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I think like. I, I stumbled into stand-up just because uh, my parents wanted to stop hearing me talk, which was a really good idea. So basically, uh, they started with uh, journaling. They said, instead of telling us your stories, why don't you write them down? And I said, okay. So I wrote them down and they messed up because then I went, oh, I got to share these with my parents. And they went, oh, oh, no. And so they then found out about stand-up courses that were being offered a little bit north of the town where I grew up and they went, great, this will get them away from it. And then I was like, Hey, I think I might be doing this for a job. And they went, Oh no. And I'm not moving out. And they went, Oh no. So like, I, uh, that's been our relationship for the past decade, I'd say. Uh, but like, what, what's your guys' saga? Like current, as we now understand as the Marcel Marceau of comedy, because he doesn't <laughs> say much and like, uh, uh, Pat, what's your, what's your story? Okay, so my story goes back a bit too. Uh, so there, there's like the start of like my first way set. back so, when there were dinosaurs. Oh, I, I've been around for a while, Adam. So watch what you say. But uh, <laughs> so uh, my first set was in 2002, but I don't count the first five years because this was back when the Canadian Comedy Awards started in we're in London for those five years. So I did 2002, 2003, 2004. 2005 and 2006 when from 2002 I think to around 2008 and I only did that it, it, it's a it's a that's an even longer story but and you know how much I hate long stories but I did no, dude, we got we got to fill this we have studios oh great so, so hour, yeah I did so you better you better make use of this or uh, you can keep it short so we can go back to talking about Doug and hockey okay okay here we go so from 2002 to 2008 I did uh, one set a year for this contest called The Funniest Person in London. At the end of that, right before the Canadian Comedy Awards left for Moncton, or was it someplace in New Brunswick? I forget what it was, but one of the judges ended up being the uh, one of the co-owners of Yucks in Town, so I sort of got involved there. Got to meet a lot of great comics through that, just in that first year. And that was the year Michael was born? Probably the year <laughs> Michael was born. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Mike was two when I started. We get it. <laughs> okay, five, but but yeah. I, I think that was the first year I went to Disney World. What year was that again? 2002. <laughs> wait, wait, oh, wait. Yeah. You got to go to Disney World? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was uh, not worth did it. You, did you, okay, was this natural or was it a make-a-wish? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we didn't really have make-a-wishes in my house. My mom... One of my favorite stories about my mom is uh, they, they d didn't know what was wrong with me when I, when I was younger. So, like, somebody stupidly asked, yeah, do you want to take a Make-A-Wish trip down to Florida? And she was like, he doesn't have that much wrong with her. Not that much wrong with him. And it's just like, great, I could have went to Florida, but... <laughs> Oh, dude! I would have lent him so hard. I like it. Like if you get a free vacation out of it, like I mean, they're the ones being ableist. You're just yeah. Being I'm I'm just taking the free trip at that. Well, point. you're my, exactly. you're such you get to travel everywhere for free. You just do a comedy show for like ten minutes, and then you get to explore the wonderful world of Brandon Manitoba. 
I'd love to take Brandon Manitoba. You want to take Woodstock, Ontario? <laughs> Brantford? And we're not talking like the good, classy, Gretzky part of Brantford. We're talking like the seedy, maybe like 10 foot bar side of Brantford. Sorry, 10 I'll foot keep bar? Kitchener. I'll, I'll keep Hamilton. Sorry, sorry, just to clarify, and I'm really not trying to be obtuse right here. When you say 10 foot bar, I really can't know with small <laughs> southern Ontario towns. Do you mean there's just like a pole? The, the, there was just like the small place I played in Brantford. It was just a little bit small, too small for comedy. <laughs> okay, Claire, just wanted to clarify that. I really like, this will make the cabaret space and comedy bar look like. Uh, the, yeah. the Sony Center. That's how small it is. <laughs> Fair enough, but I mean, I mean, uh, to to a small venue's credit, that's like a com- uh, that's a comedian's ideal, right? Is that you want a claustrophobic space so that when mm-hmm. the laughs get rolling, people can be tricked into thinking you're better than you actually are. The, the one one of the things about the old London Yaks was that it was like the three forty uh, Warrington London Yaks is that. Uh, it was a uh, it was a modified uh, modified second city because it was second city before it was a yuck. So it's just like you had like the tiered seating, the high stage you could actually see out into the audience a bit. The so audience just like, because for me that's what there. I was sort of brought up as a comedian in. Uh, Dad, if- you're technically the guest. Uh, are you are you cool <laughs> to hang out? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, just sit, I'll just sit here and listen politely and well, chuckle to myself how's that so uh not I, everyone knows that doug used to play professional hockey so what was hockey equipment like in uh... oh, oh, oh. well we did have wooden sticks i'll give you that and heavy leather gloves so and but, helmets that were uh made gretzky's jofa hat looked like it was actually protective equipment are we talking like 1920s football helmets? Are we talking motherheads? Are we talking George Clooney, John Krasinski? <laughs> Almost. Yeah, Adam, it's kind of you to bring that up, but uh, um, I retired from playing in anger in 1979. So the year yeah. I was born, by the way. There you go. You look and great. The games have changed a lot since you uh, retired. I mean. Has yeah. hockey equipment become less? Has hockey become less affordable for children? And was it any extremely accessible for the working class back in? It was. It was certainly way more accessible from the long line of peasants that I came from uh, back at uh, when I was playing. You you could you could afford skates. Um, I'm still playing recreationally in a, in a couple of beer leagues with buddies that. We try and relive our past glories once or twice a week. So do you have to have a beer between shifts? It's not compulsory, but there are those who uh, uh, try that. The The hockey now, uh, I needed to replace my skates. And I needed new skates. And the least expensive pair of quality skates were $500. Mm-hmm. Wow, well, uh, not exactly. Just for skates. Of, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, not exactly a pair of cheap skates. <laughs> the pun master at work the pornographer <laughs> it's during a pandemic <laughs> dad i'm really glad you could be a part of this i think this is really great that you should help us out anyway, uh, 5k going because we're, we're going on a pun run thank you for listening to this episode of the comics nos podcast you can follow along by going to facebook and searching up comics nos the world's most awkward boy band 
You can follow the comedians by going onto social media and looking up Michael McCreary, Funny, You Don't Look Autistic, on Facebook, Pat Tiffin on Twitter, Adam Schwartz on Twitter, and Curran Dobbs on Twitter as well. Let's get back to the show. And you're doing going to do great. Oh, yeah, it's not happening. And the plot thickened, Grandma, <laughs> in it. I've had like, big gigs that actually uh, like seemed confirmed fizzle out at the last minute for uh, one reason or another. Mm-hmm. There, uh, year, uh, a number of years ago, there was this guy who's um, uh, trying to, uh, like, now, now we have an annual Comic Con uh asserted mm-hmm. by different people but years ago uh, a different guy was uh trying to start a comic-con in victoria and he wanted me to perform some comedy at it uh and it was almost time for that comic-con and then health uh issues forced him to uh drop out but since he didn't organize it in a way that other people could reasonably take over for him uh when that happened he had to cancel the whole event and like mm-hmm. I, I, I could have uh, met the guy who played uh, Jason from uh, uh, one of the uh, 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 Friday the Thirteenth movies, or and cousin it, and you got yeah. bumped for Kane Holder. Well, well no, uh, the whole thing got uh, canceled because the whole Comic Con got canceled because of health issues. So uh, you're uh, familiar with cancel culture already? Yeah. Well, well. <laughs> Yeah, the, can, the, the, it's cancel culture in the sense that it's a cultural thing that got canceled. <laughs> Adam, if you really look at in a certain way, like uh, if you look at COVID nineteen as like some sort of like like viral infection, it's the real cancel culture. How many things got canceled last year <laughs> just because of COVID nineteen? Oh yeah, but get uh, uh, when when hopes are dashed, it's always a little bit worse when you. Uh, public and bragging about it for a long time and then your right. hopes are asked you have to like just say to everyone yeah okay this isn't happening do you so, think uh, kane hot do you think kane hotter had a similar conversation with his grandma <laughs> yes he had a conversation <laughs> with this machete i think his grandma passed on to him by his grandma yeah, <laughs> grandma's machete. I don't know his if mom's Jason machete because if you watch yeah. Friday the Thirteenth, yeah, his mom was yeah. Do you think Jason had a good relationship with his grandma, or did he know her, or like because he had a good one with his mom? Like his mom seems pretty cool because like sort of. Uh, I would hope the, the that if I drowned the, in a lake due to negligence, that my mom would avenge me by axe murdering a bunch of teenagers. Though, 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 if you look at Jason, he looks like a person whose mom is both his mom and his grandmother at the same time. (laughs) One of the comedians, one of the comedians has a really funny bit about how uh, being an axe murderer is a lot harder than being a comedian, especially getting encouragement from it. Because we at least have people to support us. Unlike uh, an axe murderer, like we have, I'm, our, I'm from London, Ontario, which, which has a book called Murder City, because we were <laughs> once the like capital of like serial serial killers in all of Canada. But like, you think Doug would be booking Mike's murderers if Mike decided to be a murderer instead of? Oh, what if my dad loves me? He would absolutely do that. He's oh, uh, he's and- always come through for me. Like, here's the thing. Uh, he was down when I said I want to be a paleontologist. He went, whatever. He was down when I said I want to do stop motion animation. I want to bring it back. And he went, whatever. And basically, at the time when I should have said I'm going to be a doctor or like work at a Wendy's, I said to him, I want to be a comedian. And he went, all right. Like, I, I think that 
serial killer would be a step up. <laughs> like from the disappointment, he's like, wow, my son's so proactive. And look at how many. <laughs> and like, like, like somewhat, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. That did you used to take Mike to the, his first open mic speech? I've seen some of your set, uh, your presentations, and you are a bit of a comic yourself, and you're uh, you have, tell really great stories. We were had to meet your TED talk. Yeah, I was, I was watching. I was like, "What makes a really good story, Dad?" Like I've I've watched a lot of the stories you've told. It's like, okay, there's something acceptable. There's something acceptable. That's actually funny. So it's just like, <laughs> so that's that's a question I have for you, Dad. Is like. What do you think actually makes something worth telling on stage? Yeah, Dad, what makes you funny sometimes is what. <laughs> I think the answer is Mike, but that's. Sometimes, that's right. I don't know. I, having the right audience, I guess. Uh, I learned from you guys, from, from being around and, uh, and listening to Comics Talk Shop about, uh, about how, they, how they do presentations. Uh, over the over the years, I've done many many presentations, but uh, I happen to be listening to um, uh, Deb D. Giovanni uh, on Pop Life on a, an episode that uh, aired recently, and she was talking about um, the question presented to her was how do you become a comic, and she said, well, there are people that are they're funny, but they're they're funny in the coffee room or they're funny around their friends, but there's a big difference, you know, like. Oh yeah, they get up and they MC a wedding, and oh, they were killer at the wedding. But that's a really friendly audience. I mean, that sort of thing. You're not really a stand-up comic. Uh, she said, to be a comic, you just got to get up and do it, and and do it in front of an audience that isn't immediately uh, disposed to like you, predisposed to like you, right uh, right out of the gate. If the stuff that I did landed, if if it was funny, it was because I was in a room full of people that wanted to hear about autism. And I've got stories, family stories about that. So I think that, uh, you know, it's a friendly room. I do okay at conferences and so on, but uh, I'm not sure uh, my stuff would stand up uh, on its own, on its own merit in a room at a comedy club. So. Okay. So of all the uh, comics you've worked with through Mike, who are some of the favorites that you've met over the years? Come on, man. Oh, wow. He's on a call with you guys. That's a loaded question. President Company, President Company excluded, who are some that, of the favorite comics? Pat, Mike did yeah, get to perform some comedy with uh, Temple. Say who their favorite child wait, is. Wait, 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 they wait, have wait, a favorite wait, wait, child. Wait, wait. They're just not allowed to admit it. <laughs> Adam, what was that question? Mike that? did get to perform some comedy with Temple, granted, and she was uh, giving him tips about how to pop funnier jokes. She was like, yo, I like your joke here, but here's a funnier tag if you want to oh, pop that did- joke. I actually had a, a really interesting experience. I had a really interesting experience with uh, Temple Grandin. We were in Whitehorse in the Yukon for a conference. And uh, because of flights in and out of Whitehorse, it's not like there's one every hour. So uh, we had to fly in the night before and... Uh, there was a dinner for Temple because she's the star and the organizers invited Michael and I'm along for the ride. And uh, we were at this long table. She's at one end, we're at the other. We barely spoke as a uh, much more than, oh, nice to see you again. It was three years ago, the last time we were in the same room. And uh, the next morning, this is when the story starts. 
I go down to get a coffee. Mike's still sleeping. It's early, early. And Temple is the opening keynote at nine o'clock in this conference. And then I'm doing a presentation. And then Michael is, is doing a presentation. And then in the evening, Mike's doing half an hour of stand up to a different audience. And Temple's doing her one hour presentation. Uh, anyway, it's pre breakfast. I'm standing there next to the please wait to be seated sign. And uh, facing the door at a table for four, but by herself is Dr. Grandin on her cell phone. And she gestures to me, points at me, and points at the chair across from her in a very preemptive, imperative uh, way to say, sit here. She doesn't <laughs> speak, she just points at it. So I come over and sit down, and I hear her say into the phone, uh, I'm having a meeting with someone right now, so uh, we're going to have to wrap this up. So apparently I was just her excuse, so she wasn't lying to the person on the other end of the phone. Mm -hmm. Sit down. She asked me a whole bunch of questions, really good questions, about the education system in Canada and how, uh, what I know about the way it works in the States, how individuals in the spectrum are supported at school or not. And uh, so I answer her questions to the best of my ability. And then she says, well, I got to tell you something. And then she talks for the next 10 minutes straight while I'm waiting for my coffee. And I'm just listening to her pontificate some good information and so on. But it's just a, a straight run. So I get my coffee. We part. I get breakfast. Michael and I go get organized. We go to the show. Nine o'clock. They introduce Dr. Grant and she comes out. And the 10 minutes she did on me was warming up for her set. She, the first 10 minutes of her show was exactly what she said to me over breakfast. But then, to her credit, she wove some of the answers that I had about the education system in Canada compared to the U.S. into her talk as she was going forward. So pretty cool that an hour later she was incorporating those things into her talk. But also, I thought... Well, that's kind of cool. I was just there to be a, a live audience for her first 10 minutes. So I, I to be performed for Mike, who are the, the other big name comics that you and Doug have got to hang out with? Uh, when it comes to comics, uh, I sadly, I, uh, oh man, like, uh, I don't know why I'm blanking right there, but actual, like. And you got to uh, open up for Chavez, got Chavez to open up for Martha, Martha Chavez. Chavez. Yeah, no, no, no. She was amazing. I've performed with Martha multiple times. The thing is, is that I've had the privilege of getting to work with a lot of these guys multiple times. And so to me, it's like, man, like uh, getting to work with Dave Hempstead was really fun. Uh, Dave was amazing because like I actually the first time I met Dave, I'd known who Dave was because he had done a series of golf tournaments that my dad was in attendance at and was just a really, really nice guy. No, and, are, uh, your dad also a good golfer? No, no. Uh, no, <laughs> I mean, business golf. Yeah, I machetes. That's something that means. He's, a, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a, just an executive with his fancy golf clubs, and <laughs> I have to have my business meetings on just the golf clarify, Just to clarify, this wasn't Ivory Towers. This was a mini golf course. That was, <laughs> that was and uh, basically, he's still shooting above his weight. <laughs> exactly. No, he's doing great. He's uh, but no, uh, my whole thing was uh, uh, it was the first time I ever did uh, act sorry, accent on Toronto. And yeah. it was, uh, and I was terrified because it was going to be, it was the first recorded show I had ever done. And to me, 
I had yet to become disillusioned in the way that most comics do, where they're like, once it's out there, it's out of my hands and you just get used to it. But to me, like, I was just going through so many nightmare scenarios of like, uh, of just like, what do I mess this up? What if it, uh, like, oh, like just thinking of, I was catastrophizing. You're running the variables at that point. <laughs> yeah. And so what happened was uh, Dave found me in just the break room. And when he tells the story, he's quick to mention that he was really concerned that someone's child got lost backstage. <laughs> he was just like, we gotta, we gotta find this guy's, we gotta find this kid's mom. Like, so he just kind of came in there. It was like really nice to me until he realized <laughs> I was a comedian. And then he was like, oh, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, so cool. did the older comics and then he, you in uh, the, the same older way comics that... Uh, yeah, Dave, uh, the only one that's actively mean to me is Dave. I like to think it's because I, he respects me, but he always tells me it's because he likes hurting me. Which is probably, probably closer to the truth. I can see that. <laughs> but uh, no, I, 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 I love working with Dave. He's great. But no, I've worked with like Evan Carter, uh, Patrick Hay, just like a lot of- Love like, Hay. Courtney, Courtney Gilmore, like all people that right now we're hoping to get on the show at some point. Uh, just uh, No, but like when it comes to people that I've worked with that were kind of left field, I never thought I'd work with was Chris Hadfield was one of the most alien experiences. The astronaut? Yeah, the astronaut. Like, wow. Yeah, uh, wow. the uh, uh, yeah the the musician and part time astronaut Chris Hatfield, and so like I, that was a and that was kind of alien for me because it's like, uh, when someone reaches a certain degree of notoriety that goes beyond the arts, like they're they're effectively a scientist and a daredevil. <laughs> I it was weird meeting him because he was just so nice, lived very modestly, and uh, his his son who puts on the generator shows Evan Hatfield is one of the nicest people I ever met. But the entire time I was just like, it, it's not like it doesn't seem real because you're starstruck. I don't really get starstruck from people because I recognize that this is just their job, you know, and uh, and also because I've only met Canadian people and none of us are famous. And so like, I, but Chris, uh, Chris is pretty famous. No, but I mean, Chris is unique <laughs> because it's not even about being famous for his uh, achievements. It's the fact that his achievements are divorced from what the average human being is capable of doing. <laughs> so because you meet a bunch of people and it's like, oh, cool, I'm so and so I wrote a book oh cool i'm a comedian he's like yeah i've been to the moon and it's like that's not within my realm of possibility like in my lifetime i could maybe get better at playing the piano i'm not good at it but i've met someone who was virtuosic <laughs> at piano i just go oh you're just better at this thing i want to do but chris hadfield's like yeah i i i set i i go into a rocket ship for a year and i just i'm just gone and and i just and i just and I just try not to die for a year or two years time as I orbit the earth. And it, it, like, good, I, not I, trying I, not to die. I can't relate to that. That like, like, I, I don't know. You've if done I, a pretty good job not dying, Michael. Oh no, I haven't because my parents like me. Like I, I remember <laughs> when Dave first met my dad, he didn't believe he was my parent because I said, yeah, he, like dad was like, I am so proud of my autistic comedian son. <laughs> and he just went, screw you. Like, you know, most of us are out here, like, uh, like uh, most of us are out here just being disappointments to our parents. You can't like ruin the good thing we have going, like the myth of the starving artist by having parents who like you. Your parents starving can't artist. let you live <laughs> with you. Yeah, exactly. Your parents can't ha let you live with them and be an, uh, a comedian on top of that. To be that fair, your dad is making you pay rent and he's but charging not really. <laughs> in our Yes, but I mean, but but like, not really though. I mean, like he's, he's uh, why, why do you assume that my dad, does my dad look like a guy who charges rent to his children? <laughs> He's a, looks like he's an effective businessman and knows <laughs> the he's value of things. He's an effective businessman because he works from home. It's a great yeah. cost-cutting measure. 
lessen the commute, <laughs> save the money. <laughs> exactly, man. Like I, uh, I, uh, before we go, I just want to quickly reiterate that every one person on this call is indebted to my father, and that's why they're being so nice to him. We won't. <laughs> Uh, we and that's why we're all speaking tell... so nice to you because we're aware that if we piss you off, your dad will just be like, "That's I not don't true." No, like, no, 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 no. I am so mean to my dad. You being mean to me is the closest thing he can feel to happiness or catharsis <laughs> at this age. Yeah, uh, if you if you want to actually, here's the thing: if you guys want to, if you guys want to make more, because right now we're all making the same on the comics yeah. NOS build. If you guys want to make more than me, just be mean to me. That is like. <laughs> We, we, at some point, we're, we're going to have to do the roast of Mike Murray. Oh, that, that's not going to be good, though, because, like, we already talk over each other enough as is. So it's just going to be, like, the inaudible yell at Michael McCreary. <laughs> well, 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 to be fair, I feel that as you get more comfortable with each other as time goes on and this podcast progresses, we will, in time, get meaner and meaner to Mike. <laughs> towards Mike. <laughs> It, yeah. It's it's also like I we've we've also learned from like all, all the club comics over the years of how to mind frick people as nicely as possible. But how do you roast? So, like like I I learned from the master. Like my first few years while he was still with Yux, I, I learned a lot from like Mark Ford on how to how to just like play mind games on people. It's just like. Yeah, I've learned nothing from Dave Hempstead because every time I think I'm doing what he wants me to do, he says, you'll never be as good as me. <laughs> and that's the end of the conversation. And he is right. I mean, David, Dave Hempstead is probably, I, I mean, like him and Arthur Simeon. I'm not trying to rank, but when you think of like the best in the country, just like- Him, Arthur Simeon, Rob Pugh has to be in that Rob, conversation. No, Rob Pugh too. That's, that's like a, that's a contemporary- like he, If you've like. never seen his uh, after getting, like after his car accident and that whole like, 20 minute chunk it's just like especially when he gets the if he ever decides to add the mountain of crap part to that again it's just like a 20 minute roller coaster masterpiece of just be just, i don't know. know i love steve patterson and i also love our upcoming guest kathleen mcgee she's one of the top notch comics in my head i i love mcgee too and that's one of the reasons like when when am was like i want mcgee it's like i knew that and yes do you guys have like a couple dozen more people you want to say you like? Because we we got <laughs> we got time, huh? Yeah, exactly. Just pad this out. Just going. Oh man, like Adam's mom's pretty funny. What she said back there that was pretty. Curran, you're, you're Curran's sure? gone back to school. Uh... Well, well, I, I I'm where? Sorry, why why is it designed like a solo cup? What? Sorry, Curran is uh levitating. In Delaware now. Yeah, playing play, play the uh, with virtual backgrounds, but that is a picture or I, I put up from a. Gig, well, probably uh, one of my most awkward gigs I've ever yeah. did. I don't know, you're talking about like you want the low ceiling, claustrophobic space uh, thing made me think of that picture. And awkward way, is Curran, saying a lot. Is it and that's the opposite of that. And, sorry, and Curran, no, it's like, yeah. so, so sorry, I kind of changed the uh, su subject, but like, you know, I mm -hmm. think it was on my number of years ago, I had this gig uh, and I was booked for noon. At an event called Marchtoberfest. Uh, on, Why was it uh, on called Marchtoberfest? <laughs> uh, 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 on a Sunday, and it ex went exactly, and I, it went exactly as I pre uh, predicted. When no one was paying attention to me, it was, uh, people could barely hear and understand me, or they could barely understand what I was saying. Anyways, because of the sound system, this huge room, well lit, no introduction, so I just had to kind of wander on stage <laughs> and start talking into the mic. 
the microphone. Uh, and it's a beer festival. It was called Marchtoberfest. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I was just that person on, uh, uh, and there's like a bunch of uh, food stands and beer, uh, and like uh, uh, drink stands. Uh, around that. I was just that guy on the st- stage kind of distracting <laughs> people from what I, they I, wanted to do. And it was on my 34th birthday. <laughs> oh, which was a great way to celebrate. But I got paid $200 for that. And it was like my first <laughs> triple digit gig. And I'm like, this is going to go horribly. And I don't <laughs> care. I, <laughs> play, yeah. I, I, see the, I see your show, Kern. And uh, I, I ended up playing a uh, I ended up playing a a trucking company Christmas party in Delhi, Ontario last year. <laughs> and we're, we're not talking like you have a full audience. We're, we're talking like people to the left, people to the right, people to the back, full dance floor. So, we, so if you're trying to talk to somebody, you have to walk to one side of the stage. You have to walk to the other side of the stage. And so it's like 15 minutes of just like, okay, try this, try this, try that, try this. Nobody's laughing. It's just like, <laughs> This is the wrong crowd for me. <laughs> nope. Since we're in the mood for talking about nightmare stand-up scenarios, the worst show I ever did, I was really excited for because uh, it was like one of the biggest crowds I ever did. I think it was like 900 people. And I went, this is insane. Everyone's uh, uh, everyone's excited. Everyone's got a couple of drinks into them. Everyone's really in, our, in just really good spirits. It's Christmas. Everyone's happy. And right <laughs> as I'm going on stage, the MC turns to me and just goes, uh, just so you know, about 30 of these people speak English. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, you've got some explaining to do. Okay, no, so he like... did everything in his power because the only people he talked to was he... Well, I mean, sorry, when it's when it's your agent talking to people, when you're in Southern Ontario, your first question isn't like, just clarifying, do these guys speak English or Mandarin? Because we so, just want to... So, so are we talking Southwestern Ontario closer to the GTA? No, and this was... Uh, I don't think I can reveal. Uh, I don't think I can disclose the location because of some sort of was fear. No or... disclosure uh, contract. Yeah. If I may, if I may, that one was in uh, the northeast end of Toronto. It was a multicultural audience. Uh, <laughs> the event was running late. They had me do an intro first for Michael, an introduction that I knew. Okay, I've got. There should be ten laughs in this. I got crickets for the 10 laughs and it's like, oh my God, this is gonna be tough for Michael. Just as he's going on after the MC tells him nobody speaks English, there's two women at a table in the back and it was a big room, a big banquet hall. And they are way overserved, and they're in an F sharp argument uh, over something. And the one nearly flips the table on the <laughs> other room, in the over in the corner of the oh, room. Oh, so you oh, almost went Greek wedding on that one. <laughs> yeah, just about. And it was, uh, but there was, uh, I think almost all of our uh, various uh, hyphenated Canadian cultures were represented in that room, but not a lot of the people, as Michael suggested, were uh, were fluent in English, and uh, and that does make comedy. Uh, it, a you have an idea of how brutal that can be. It's like if you if you take all the ethnicity of that room. And make it all white and move into southwestern Ontario. That's a London, Ontario audience because it's a mix of them. <laughs> I thought my uh, worst experience was difficult where I performed uh, for in a rabbi's living room. That rocks. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We what? all do. It's called stimming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, just to, just to clarify, um, because we're, we're, uh, we're going to end on a high note right here. 
Can I We're ask the fart now? <laughs> well, I mean, Adam, I assume you have some because apparently you're just a filthy addict who is just forgeable. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to ask Adam, uh, like, what happened? Why? Why did this happen? Like, why this... did I book myself for a Shabbaton where I was going to perform at a rabbi's living room for fifty dollars? Yeah, I mean, you probably didn't even get fifty dollars for your first gig with Doug as your agent. You're like. I'll take five thousand dollars, please. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> my first event was a, a shabbaton. I thought it was going to be for a bunch of young people, but it was for like a rabbi, the rabbi's wife, uh, a bunch of other people who. And I thought they're going to excommunicate me as a Jew. And then I was like, oh yeah, they can't do that. <laughs> that doesn't exist in Judaism. When I took the uh, uh, ancestry DNA test and found out I was a <laughs> quarter Jewish, well, my mom took it and she found out she was half Jewish and then I took it. And uh, I, I, anyways, I kind of felt like that dentist from that episode of Seinfeld who converted to Judaism <laughs> just because <laughs> I could take an ancestry DNA test. And say, okay, that was okay for me to joke about that. <laughs> we should we should get Brian. My dad's family is like a bunch of British Isles of my like mom's side is like all eastern mm. European Jewish and sometimes I'm, I'm always like oh I'm the worst part of both of them but in the best way <laughs> I, I have to uh, I just want to say uh, typically the worst gigs I've uh, or like the worst audiences I've ever had were usually audiences that weren't paying to see a stand up co uh, comedian well, somehow like uh, uh, random free shows in bar, bars a bunch of uh, People are just uh, there to drink and chat with their fr friends, and the people doing stand-up comedy mm -hmm. are just an annoying distraction. Or March Toberfest, people show up to uh, go <laughs> and uh, uh, have drinks and uh, uh, like have fun, not to listen to some uh, guy on stage. Or like I did a charity <laughs> for cops for can cancer. Uh, was, like, <laughs> as long as it's not cancer for cops. Uh, <laughs> went to see the band before. Uh, Pops who are also after and then when they're in the pub, they're all like rowdy and drinking, and no one like half the room was trying to pay attention to the comics, but the other uh, half was like talking so loud that uh, it's, it's like they were not there for the comics. So like, uh, one way to have a really bad show comedy audience is any show where like if you make them pay if they're like hey i'm gonna buy tickets to go uh, see this comedy show then they'll usually be a much better audience at worst they just will sit politely quietly and politely while you bomb or at best they'll be uh you know actually enjoying it but yeah so that's some pretty solid advice to leave the and the show was. Does anyone have any shadows before we say goodbye? No, my dad's got to go to bed. He's like, he's like sixty-seven. <laughs> my mom's tired. got some paprikash on the oven, so I'm. Ooh. Uh, the kid's giving us black motor ages. See now. I'm oh, my sorry. Uh, just a quick thing. Uh, any plugs? Well, one, I just want to say thank you, Christian, for taking it upon yourself to mix this thing. Uh, you're thank you, Christian. Uh, as far as plugs go, since we have Dad, who has basically been. Uh, uh, him and Dean have been part of this uh, really this Hydra working to get us more gigs Dad is there any gigs coming up I've, I've sent you the list and um, uh, I'll let you guys know when the gigs are confirmed yes yeah, so Kevin. other than that uh, you could probably catch a lot of us on Twitter Instagram Facebook 
Also, check uh, out our page. You can actually catch me if you're in the London, Ontario area at uh, Poacher's Arms on Mondays, usually. <laughs> as long as we stay, like, orange or yellow. Also, check out Comics Nos on Facebook and uh, our web page by Googling Comics Nos. Wow. This is the first time that, we've had sounds in an hour. Yeah, no, that's the end of the show. Just wanted to give Christian some uh, mm-hmm. some uh, breathing room right there. All right, guys, I, I think we're good. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Comics NOS podcast. You can follow along by going to Facebook and searching up Comics NOS, the world's most awkward boy band. You can follow the comedians by going onto social media and looking up Michael McCreary, funny, you don't look autistic, on Facebook. Pat Tiffin on Twitter, Adam Schwartz on Twitter, and Curran Dobbs on Twitter as well. We'll talk at you next time.